In part two of our interview with Autumn Strong, we talk more about the Indiana Golf Association, the first tee, the state of the game, and some of the challenges with the game, and we do a quick fire nine with her at the end. I've got this one about two balls out to the right. I'm telling you, man, it's a speed putt. All right, real quick, before we get into the episode, want to give a shout out to the group powering the Faded Golf Podcast, Fanatics, where you can get your officially licensed everything. John, um, of course, the PGA coming up. Have you seen the shirts with the, this is a uh, for, the Beth, for Beth Page Black with the sign that they have on them? I haven't, but I got excited about it in our last promo we did for Fanatics, so... I'm going to buy one, and you can pick it tonight. Let's buy one. Well, let's, actually, let's buy one for each. Let's go. We're going we're gonna to buy one tonight. Of course, we're going to use our promo code FADEDGOLF, get 25% discount. So you can go to PGA.com, go to their shop, get 25% off using Faded Golf promo code. You can get your Beth Page Black gear. I think you can even get Ryder Cup gear for, like, next year. So um, anyway, on PGA, Boom. you can, of course, go to Fanatics, get your NFL, get your NHL, get whatever, playoff team, NBA, whatever, MLB stuff that you can. Fanatics.com. Thanks, Fanatics. All right. Well, we are back with uh, part two of episode 27 with Autumn Strong. Uh, Autumn with the Indiana Indiana golf and lots of other things. We had a great conversation in part one. Um, so if you haven't listened to that, check that out, but autumn, um, thanks again for, for being on the podcast. Um, wanted to get into a little bit of the first tee. Uh, we were talking a lot about just kind of, uh, Indiana golf foundation and, you know, what you guys are doing. And you indicated to us in part one, how almost the majority of the staff is really dedicated to the first tee. Tell us about that program in Indiana and how you think it's different than maybe some other programs. Yeah, so we have grown tremendously with this program since 2012 um, when it came under the Indiana Golf Foundation. Um, Indiana is unique in the fact that we are a statewide chapter. Um, so that means any first tee program in the state of Indiana at this point is coming under that Indiana chapter. Um, we have 18 different communities across the state and they kind of operate like their own little, you know, organization in a way, um, you know, all the finances are under us, but they develop a volunteer committee. Um, they try and see the program really flourish in, in those communities. Um, but since 2012, um, we were just in in two communities at that point, uh, Richmond being one of the first locations. Um, but we are now, like I said, in 18 different communities. Um, we're in 275 schools, um, which part of the first T is um, the national school program, teaching it in elementary physical education classes. Um, we're, we have 2,000 kids in our five-level certifying program. Um, that they can work through similar to like the Eagle Scouts that's player through ACE level. Um, and that's at, uh, we call them green grass facility facilities. So just at local golf courses in the area. So the idea is that they go from that national school program, they're interested and they want to take it further at the golf courses. Um, but we were able to report at the 2000, at the end of 2018 that we reached a hundred thousand kids, um, through the first T program. So, um, that wow. the, in yeah, Indiana, in <laughs> Indiana. Yes. So at the, Yorktown too. 
in Yorktown. Yorktown High School? Did you reach that? In the elementary? Um, so is the first team... 275 the, different uh, elementaries. So is the first seat like, yeah, could you just, like, what is the, like, the yeah, age get, why don't you Let's back up a little bit for people that aren't familiar with the first tee. You yeah. were talking about kids, like, what age groups are you guys touching, and what are some of the goals of the first tee? Yeah, so it is 7 to 18, um, and the concept is just a, a youth development program that uses golf to teach life lessons um, and core values through the game of golf. So... They are teaching, the, you know, some of the nine core values are respect, honesty, um, perseverance, and lessons, whether they're at the school or at a golf course, revolve around um, those core values and how they can be used not only in golf, but outside of golf, in everyday life, in school, with family and friends. Um, so it is, yeah, it's just, it's a youth development program that uses golf to teach those core values. How do you, do you integrate with like, so like our local, uh, like recreational sports is WYSI. So how, how do, how does first tee integrate in the community to the, the schools? Yeah, so when we go into a new community, let's just say, um, like, Terre Haute is kind of our newest one coming under us. So when we go into community, we need instrumental, you know, people, passion for golf, school influence to kind of make up this volunteer committee. And then their goal is to get first T programming into the surrounding elementary schools and their physical education classes um, to do like those two to three week um, programs like you would, you rotate, you know, you have golf for two weeks, you have hockey for two weeks, you have basketball for two weeks, badminton for two weeks. So golf was, would be one of those components, but the curriculum is first tee. Then the other goal of that volunteer committee would be to reach out to local golf courses and see if those professionals are interested in either converting an already existing junior program into first tee programming, or if they are interested in starting a junior program with our first tee curriculum. So those are the main two components. And then if they have any boys and girls clubs in the community, um, girl scouts in the community, um, there's, um, those are called outreach programs. So those facilities can also kind of do first tee programming like you can get a first tee badge with the girl scouts now in indiana um so i mean if you think about it we have 18 communities that are doing that across the state um 275 elementary schools and that's how we reach you know nearly 100,000 kids in 2018 who at some point know what's going on with our first tee programming they've been introduced to it either at the school or a golf course and a lot of our outreach too we're really thankful is through the indianapolis children's museum with the new pete and alice die experience at their outdoor legendary experience so um yeah i mean just a lot of kids are at this point i guess learning about golf which is great that's awesome that's off that's great what you're doing well, yeah. hundred, I mean, a hundred thousand kids. That's great. Um, that's fantastic. Do you guys have some longer term goals? I mean, I, obviously a lot of organizations try to set, you know, good, like, uh, like one year goals and things like that, but do you guys have any like five and 10 year goals that you're shooting for? 
Yeah, so, I mean, we're in 18 communities now. We would really like to be in 20 communities and then not cap it off, but have those communities branch out even further, kind of like in their territories, just kind of expand until, you know, that full state map is covered. Um, So 20 programming locations would be a goal three to five years. We have 2000 kids in the certifying program. So we really want that number going up because if you think about 100,000 kids, 2,000 of them are at the golf course. We want that number going up. And so converting kids from the elementary national school programs or the boys and girls clubs into the certifying program at golf courses, we want to see that number, you know, growing. And a five-year goal might be like 5,000 kids for us in that program. Um, But, yeah, I mean, just continuing to – to grow and expand across the state, those those would be kind of the two main targets for us. I mean, I think that's tremendous. Um, so, how do you how do you think this compares? I mean, there's 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 tons of great things about like um, you know youth education and and obviously helping kids uh, with this kind of viewpoint on things. How do you think this compares to like what a boys and girls club does or some things like that as far as impacting youth? I mean, what is, what is that kind of goal with the first tee? Yeah, I think it's really positive. Um, so the first tee national office has done surveying. We've done surveying at our own local level. Um, and the results show that the kids are really able to not only become kind of their motto is better golfers, but better people. Mm -hmm. Um, so survey results show that, you know, um, after a kid completes the first T program, they really are converting that over into, you know, interviewing skills, um, you know, being able to handle, you know, conflict resolution situations, um, the simple things of manners. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm not, not too familiar with, you know, Boys and Girls Club, besides I know that actually some of them now offer first seat programming. Um, but I think, yeah, just anything that is out there that is able to um, teach a child how to become a better citizen and contribute in society in positive ways is really awesome. And to think that golf can kind of be the vehicle to do that is, I mean, it's great. And we need lifelong golfers. We want the game to grow. And yeah, I think it's really positive. Autumn may be too good for our program. I know she might be too good for our program, but but it does. Uh, your point right there kind of segues me into the next question that I have, which um, you know we want, and John and I want the same thing, right? We want that. We'd love to see the game grow. We want there to be lifelong golfers. One of our biggest frustrations are uh, our peers. These are like other guys that tell us they used to play golf. Um, and that's just, it's, it's like a crushing blow to our hearts that some, some guy used to play maybe in his teens when he was growing up and, uh, maybe even played in his twenties, but then he got married and had kids and says that he used to play golf. And, um, I, I, I hope these core values stick with kids and things like that, but that's, that's John and I thinking that that's part of the problem with the game. That's a lot. There's a lot to unbox there, but. What do you think are other issues that are 
like big problems with the game and why we're actually seeing a decline in the game right now? Yeah, so I mean, a resource for us, and and there's not much out there, you know, except for relying on what you know those national organizations are putting out. But the National Golf Foundation um, does have some stats, some interesting stats, and um, no doubt that I mean, obviously, when there's you know a recession or anything like you know 2008, um, the first thing to go is well where can I cut back? And the leisure activity of golf is, um, is something that's going to go for families. And I think that we're seeing it bounce back and things are positive, but then there's the side of, well, golf takes five to six hours to play. And, um, you know, I know that there's some initiatives out there, you know, play nine and, um, you know, you know, the new rules of golf was a, a, a big step in that direction of like trying to get the pace of play up. But I mean, I think one issue is just the perception of how expensive it is, um, how much perception is it, a perception is a keyword there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how, you know. Yeah, Accessi- accessibility to to it as well, like not, the, the perception that expensive, and then accessibility to to play, um, and then like so. What I are, think there's some good stuff going on, like like so, like Carmel, like it, it's Mark's backyard, his his uh, stomping grounds. Would say the Shire, Brookshire. Brookshire. So, yeah. So Carmel, Carmel's <laughs> doing a great thing there. They're so they're. They're uh, actually the city is paying for a new clubhouse, improving the golf course, and you know, that's going to encourage more play there. Hopefully, the mayor sure better hope so because if you talk to the mayor, he'll tell you that he thinks it's <laughs> the dumbest idea ever that he they should have never bought it. So, well, they didn't actually. Did they actually buy it? Or, yeah, or? they own the golf course. Okay, I didn't know they bought it, so it's actually a muni now. I thought they just issued yeah. a bond. No. Okay. So anyway, there yeah, there's a little bit of. <laughs> Probably but, back and but, forth there, and you're you're laughing on them because you probably know a little bit inside track on that one too. But I think um, that's actually, I mean, from a perception, I've never played it perception, you've never played the Shire. It's terrible. It's but, awful. I have but, it. So I I grew up right next perception, to it. Perception. That's a what we just said. Worker there through high school and college. It was awesome. Like I used to cut the cups and mow the greens. It was great. Oh no. Nice. Keyword. Keyword is perception. So yeah. like what you said is like if people see like, okay, in my community, we have a municipal golf course mm-hmm. now being improved. Nice, nice clubhouse. Every, you know, people that are not even into golf, they're going to see that they're going to like, oh, that's going to take interest. And then if they make it affordable, people want to go play. Yeah. But it's good for the game. Well, it's like, it's, and we I don't know this, if it's good for taxpayers, but it's well. good for the game. <laughs> we brought this up before and I, I don't know, Autumn, if you, um, you heard kind of what Tiger and Obama are doing up in Chicago, taking over an old course. Yeah, tr- I did hear a little bit tr- that. Trying to do this where they're making it affordable, they're making it accessible to, you know, kids and whoever, right? So, I mean, I, I mean, shoot, I've had an idea. Like, I think kids should just play free across the country. I think they just should. I but, think that, yeah. Or, I mean, in or a they, lot or of ways. Or be we, five bucks or two bucks or what. Yeah. Whatever. Have a have a barrier to entry that is so minimal that like uh, maybe it's like hey all kids play free with a parent fine okay or with an adult with a At paying adult 
or everywhere. Everywhere. I think every public course, it should be kids play free with a, 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 a adult green fee. And yeah, and just add it like an extra no, 50 no bucks dif- to the dues. Or no something? different than at every PGA golf tournament, kids are free with a paid admission. Actually, two kids are free with most of them. Yeah, I took my kid right? last year. What, yeah, you go- I mean, when I have a kid, the play first the game? place I'm going then is Pebble Beach. Well, <laughs> and you know what? That Pebble should do that then. Because yeah, many- I'm. I, it's, I think basically, I'm taking like kids under 12 or something like that, right? 12 and under, fine. Kids 12 yeah. and under play, fine. There's always, I, but the but the, the like clubs it. are gonna the clubs are gonna ask like, how do we pay for this? What do you mean? How do we pay for this? They've already paid everything they need. If they're gonna, if they could encourage more dads to go out there and take their kids out there because the kids free, they actually could make more money. They're gonna fill up the tea sheet. So more. why don't they do it now? Because they're they they didn't come up with the idea like I did. <laughs> Mark's a champion and this of is ideas. This where ideas start. Podcast. You never know. <laughs> hey, you never know. Yeah. No, I mean, and we, I, I, I agree, and we, I mean, it's our foundation and different things that we have going on. I mean, that's a priority for us. Like, we want kids to have affordable access and. Um, I, when Camp Gongaware was going on down in Franklin for years, one of the things was if a child left camp and wanted that access and didn't have it, mm-hmm. we made a way for that to happen. And part of that is the connection we have with the Indiana Section PGA and all the pros across the state. And, and um, what? What was, yeah, I mean, what was the camp called? Camp Gongaware, sorry, Gongaware Golf Academy. Okay. So Gongaware is just a Gunga, name Gunga, of what Gunga, what Gunga, is that mean? What is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it doesn't mean much other than a donor's last name. There'll be no money. We are really so. grateful for. Okay. Well, we're not, ma- we're not making fun. It's just, it's a different name. <laughs> we're not. I'm, 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 I'm like, like, it's a great person. It now too. It's pretty uh, good. So. I probably said it a little too quick yeah. and casual. I apologize. So do you think, do you, do you think that the biggest issue with the game right now is the accessibility and the perceived affordability? Um, I think it's one of them. Um, yeah, I mean, I also think, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you guys might feel differently, but I think golf, if you're not raised in it, um, I think golf can be intimidating, not even from a price and time factor, but the fact that you're going to go march up to a course and go tee off on the first tee. I mean, I think it's a sport that you genuinely have to know about. Um uh- I, I agree. Barrier of entry um, is tough. That's that's it, it. Yeah, it's golf is like a Catholic church. It's kind of different <laughs> when you walk in and you've never been in there. <laughs> I mean, and people might argue differently, but I know that's how I would feel. Um, I don't know that I would, you know, and this is not being an advocate for the game, but I don't know how I would feel about just taking up the game of golf right now. But I know I'm comfortable because of my background. Um, and, you know, I, 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 I was not just to, like going and playing tennis or yep. picking up a new sport like pickleball. Like there's there's research and and steps that need to happen, you know, to feel comfortable. 
It's it, yeah, you're, you're right. I agree with that a hundred percent. But you have this, to have mentors. Yep. And I was listening to a podcast today with Bo Hostler, and you know he he shout had, out to Bo. Yeah, shout out to Bo. We love we love <laughs> we love tour advisor Bo. Um, but uh, so Bo was on the Eric Anders Lang show today. I think it might have been posted today. You'll have to listen to this. But uh, Eric was asking me, you know, like what it's like to kind of be somebody who says that they are a golfer. You know, and he said uh, one of the interesting things about being a golfer, especially a professional golfer and how he's comparing it to like if he was just going out with his buddies and meeting him up in Texas or something and they were going out and playing, you know, whatever for fun versus when he's playing it uh, for his job is that every guy on tour is competitive. And I, I that stuck with me and not that every guy on tour is competitive, but I have yet to meet a golfer like somebody who takes the game seriously that is not competitive i've yet to meet one and it's different with other sports though (laughs) well here's the thing i i do i think that there are some other sports out there where you can just go play them just to play the game and um versus and i guess you can do that a little bit with golf and it frustrates some people but i i think Part of where, to, and this is, I'm kind of piggybacking on what you said, Autumn. I think that's where the barrier in is that to to want to take the next step to figure out how do I hit this stupid little round ball, you have to have a little bit of a more competitive edge than maybe some other sports. Yeah, I would agree. Driving range to golf course, and then not only that, but now there's another step: top golf to driving range. <laughs> Top golf and driving range. I used to yeah. when I was when I when I wasn't playing golf and I was younger. I mean, even like nineteen, I I said golf wasn't a sport. I literally said that golf what it's not a sport. It's like I I'm totally the other end now. It's a hundred percent a sport. It's it's, it's the best game there is. I well and, I'm a hundred percent behind that. But I I that's why I used to look. It's like golf's not a sport. They don't run. They don't jump. They don't play defense. I mean, it's like I don't I didn't get. I was like. Then I, you try it, you'd be like, oh, my God, this is unbelievably difficult. Yeah, I, yeah. One, other, one other observation that I had, and it just kind of occurred to me. So I'm, I'm talking to Graham's son, who's home from IU. Um, he's out in the driveway. They were walking the dog, and I was, I'm talking to him, and he's, got, he's going into his senior year, year next year. And we were talking about lacrosse because my son Charlie plays lacrosse. And, um, he's, and they were like, Oh yeah, I played lacrosse. And I was like, well, I just played golf. And this 21 year old kid goes, God, I wish I would have just played golf in high school and not played lacrosse. He's like, I don't even play lacrosse now. He's like, but I'd love to be a better golfer. It's a game for life. You don't see people, you know, no offense to out playing lacrosse. No, but what, but to John's point, he's like, it wasn't cool. Right. It wasn't cool when he was in high school. Where's the mentality of kids in like, and, and here's Charlie for an example, and I'll, I'll even use my other son, Riley, and they were like, well, I just want to do what my friends are doing. And they totally do. They want to just play sports to look cool and, and do what their friends are doing. If their friends aren't playing golf, they don't want to play golf. I mean, I generally like playing like the sports I played at the time. I liked at it. The and time. I was competitive at it. I mean, I really, but then I, I was like, I was like, how much better can you get at this? Like you just, it, that's really difficult. It's like what Autumn just said. It's a, it's a game for life. A sport for life is sport yeah. golf because 
you like you and I are probably playing some of the better golf late thirties, early forties on This is the best golf I've ever played. So yeah. That's you yeah. can't do that with basketball. Are you kidding me? I mean, no. It, oh my god, I blew out an I I have I blew out a knee last dude, summer. It almost <laughs> took his golf game out. Almost took my golf game out. It's just like a little t- torn meniscus, no big deal. And like, you can I, always work on getting out. better. I mean, I uh, well, always yeah. continue. <laughs> well, I think that maybe we've set ourselves a challenge is not only the first T program in my eyes, but how can you make the game maybe a little bit more fun for just junior golf in general? So they don't look at it as a, that's not a sport or they don't look at it as my friends don't do that. So it wouldn't be cool to do that. We got to make call make golf cool again yeah you know. you know where that's coming from is have you guys heard about pga junior league yeah yeah you, they're trying you have a team at chatham right yeah they're yeah, trying my kids are there they're trying they're really trying with that program and like i think it's making some headway i mean I, 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 it's cool they've got the jerseys i've heard more, more people club. talking about it yep i've heard more and more people yeah. talking about it i haven't gotten into it just yet because my my kids are about that age where they could start doing it, but yeah. So I where where trying. where could just a couple of schmucks like us help out more, Autumn? Yeah. Where could we? Yeah, we're like schmucks like us. How can we help out Indiana Golf First Tee, whatever? Yeah. So there are tons of ways that you can be involved. Um, if you guys are interested in, you know applying that three minute versus five minute search for a ball rule we talked about you can be a rules official for indiana golf um and volunteer for that we've got volunteer course raters um you can uh rate courses with a team and travel around with that Adam Hills. Yeah, that needs to be (laughs) be (laughs) rated. you might have a few more years before that one's up again but we'll see um with the first tee, you can always volunteer as a coach um, for the programming. I don't, I'm trying to think what's closest. Honestly, probably closest to you guys. Uh, well, actually, Grand Park. Grand Park just started programming. Um, and then there's Fox Prairie and Noblesville. But, yeah, Grand Park just came on with some programming. Um, yeah, as far as not specifically with us, but, you know, just on your own, you know, being advocates for the game of golf just spreading the word and um, about the different, I mean, now that you know a little bit more about the different programs we have, if there's kids interested and depending on their age, we really kind of have it all going on under us, you know, drive to putt, junior league, um, first tee, the junior tour, if they're a little bit more competitive. So yeah, spread the word. I'll spread the word about your podcast. Well, well, we appreciate, appreciate that. that. <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of it, obviously we we all have a passion for the game, and we've turned artists into some recording of dip wads uh, talking about it. And um, the guests that we have on are much more qualified and talented usually to to talk about it. So whether that was Drew or Kyle or yourself, uh, Autumn, we we know you guys have a extreme passion for the game, and we really appreciate you guys and obviously your time, Mark. It might. Yeah. Mark, you said that very well. And, you know, I think it's time to put Autumn on the spot. Yep. We've got a quick, quick nine for you here, Um, Autumn. So it's, we're just going to, you know, first thing that comes to mind on this quick nine questions. And uh, 
we'll uh, we'll see where we end up here. Because uh, you guys are already advocating for pace of play. Quick nine, I yeah. like it. So uh, yeah, no right or wrong answers really. <laughs> All right, ready? Ready. Here we go. Question number one: Do you have a favorite club in your bag? Now it would be my putter. Oh, your putter. Okay. Uh, anything not- I can just keep low. That's an accomplished <laughs> golfer comment. <laughs> it is accomplished. That's good stuff. All right. Favorite course you've ever played? Pebble Beach. Oh, all right. I know. Pebble. Bucket list. So, it's on our year. list. It's on our list. That's awesome. Uh, burrito, pizza, or steak? Burrito, pizza, steak. Oh, wow. Good three. Um, pizza. Okay. Pizza. Who sits on the Iron Throne? Who? Do you do you watch Game of Thrones? <laughs> I I don't. I was wondering if, where that was, if that was coming from. That because Dang everyone it. watches it. I figured I'm, after I'm I threw I totally threw this one in because you're, you're Harry Potter and I'm like hmm, maybe she's kind of geeky like us. Tar. Yeah. I'll fail on All my right. Phone. No no big deal. We'll leave that as a not applicable um, answer. <laughs> Um, most embarrassing score you posted in college? <laughs> um, you know, okay, Southern Illinois, are they, the, are they the Salukis? Yep. Okay, I posted a 95 at their tournament. Yes, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yes. I'm going to let you, I'm going to let I, you, like, That could be a question, with... it could be either way. What's your most embarrassing score or what's your highest score? <laughs> well, what's the difference? Well, it, it's embarrassing. Embarrassing, it's could the embarrassing, embarrassing one... <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty embarrassing. Your highest is pretty embarrassing. I will let you and uh, on a. I will let you kind of follow up on a high note though. What's your best score in a college tournament? Best score in college was a seventy. Nice, very good. Yeah, did it? Uh, Didn't quite break that threshold. Yeah, (laughs) I'm waiting to do that myself. Um, Have you ever gone as Hermione for Halloween? Oh my goodness, no. Um, I have not. But thank you for throwing in Harry Potter in there. I did, when I went to the premieres, um, as all those movies were coming out, those midnight premieres, I did dress up, but not to, like, the full ensemble of Hermione. Okay. Um, but it, it's got to be, I'll be that at some point. Okay. I'm, I, I was like, I mean, you shoot, you named your dog. I'm like, all right, she's got to <laughs> throw another curveball Harry Potter. I know, Yeah. Uh, beer, wine, or spirit? Wine. Wine. Red or white? Follow up. Uh, good follow up. Um, now red. Now red. So you red. were you were totally like the <laughs> college chick and would only drink white for a while, right? <laughs> the Arbor Mist. Um, mm-hmm. Boone Star. Yeah. Boone yeah. Star. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, red now. Stuff. I I had to progress just like maybe anyone else, I guess. As as everyone should. And then uh last but not least, best looking guy on the PGA tour. Mark um, question. Speeth in a hat. <laughs> That's the best answer <laughs> ever. I love it. Love it. Yeah, I love it. in a hat. hat in a hat. I yes, love that. We'll get you a poster. Uh, John and I have like a, I, so John and I have, and I love that Spieth was your answer. And if you've listened to any previous episodes, maybe you've heard that John and I have a, a bet 
that Spieth will not win a major this year. Actually, I think it's a tournament. We heard that on Drew's episode. Double or nothing that he won't oh. even win a tournament this year. Oh, so. He is struggling. He is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He's done. Him. Mark he's finished. Mark's not a massive fan of Spieth, but he's my guy. I don't. I don't mind Jordan Spieth. I just think the guy's done. I'm just being a realist on like the game done. is toast. Done. I don't think he's so. Not gonna make. Tiger comeback, sorry, ain't gonna happen. He, well, he could, no, yeah, no one can do what Tiger He could did. possibly go like David Duvall, just vanish. <laughs> he hurt one himself major. though, but he went one major. Dude, he was the number one player in the world. One major. <laughs> it's fine. Take that 2015 year. Right. Well, Don't. Hey, we're already gonna we're right, gonna so, go in another argument. Know, we're gonna get into another argument about <laughs> no more bets as a result of the. Yeah podcast or only uh, one per episode or something oh my god <laughs> well hey autumn um we i can't uh, john but on behalf of john we cannot thank you enough behalf of me i'm right um, um uh, <laughs> we just this is awesome. john needs speak spoken for <laughs> yeah he does need spoken for but um we uh we can't thank you enough for being on the show i think it it was it was enlightening for us and i'm hoping our our listeners uh, learned a little bit more about obviously uh, what a golf association does for a, a state as well as the first tee program. And we really appreciate Thanks, you Autumn. taking the time with appreciate us uh, and staying yeah. past your bedtime. <laughs> yes. Past my bedtime. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. And uh, I hope I represented Indiana golf well. And yeah, I really appreciate you letting me spread the word about what we've got going on. Uh, thanks so much. We'll probably get like two more listeners than usual. It'll be great. <laughs> I'll see you at pur- I'll see you at Purgatory. Well, we're we're gonna have to definitely have to set up that that golf match with you and your husband as well. So sounds uh, good. Uh, on behalf of Autumn, John, and myself, we want to thank you for listening. Go out there, hit more greens, and you'll score better. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. All right, John. Well, that was a that was a really fun interview with Autumn Strong. Um, I think we probably learned a ton about, you know, what it takes to obviously support golf in different states and with obviously the, uh, the USGA and organizations and first tee and all this kind of stuff. So exciting to see the game grow. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I learned a lot that I didn't know of how many people actually are reached with hundred thousand and hundred thousand kids in the state of Indiana, hundred thousand kids in the state of Indiana. Fantastic. Well, so speaking of kids, we're going to try some beer. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to get back into the real core of uh, what we're doing. So um, Cinco de Mayo was uh, this past weekend, and um, we thought it would be appropriate to try uh, some Mexican-style lagers. Um, we're going to start. So our local brewery, I, I don't know if we've ever reviewed actually a Sun King brew. Uh, we haven't on the podcast. Are you sure? No. We, well, we might have talked about WeMac, but I don't think we've ever done like a full review. But um, so, Panchanga. Pachanga. Pachanga. Not Pan. I threw an N in there. Pachanga. Uh, Sun King Brewery. So, this is like our local um, uh, craft brewery is the Sun King Brewery. They're probably the most famous here in Indianapolis. Uh, they came out with last, this might've been last summer or maybe two summers ago. It's a Mexican style lager. We are going to test this next to a Corona extra, which I think just about everybody has, uh, tried that drinks beer. And then we are also going to try it. And I've been really impressed with what Modelo has done. Uh, so we're going to try the Modelo Especial with their marketing. 
I think they've made a really strong push to be a contender in the Mexican lager market, more so than they have in the past. No lime in each. No, no lime. We aren't going to ruin this with fruit. We're just going to try to compare and contrast. Sipping the Pachanga now. It's, it's beer. It kind of, I mean, it, it kind of tastes like Bud Light. I'm not going to lie. It's a heavy Bud Light. It's like a, a heavy, it's a heavy, I don't know. It has an island. They're trying to like imitate that island taste a little bit. You know what I mean? Kind of. I mean, but it, well, it's kind of, it's got a little, it's a little bit more syrupy. Like, I, I don't know if that's the best way to describe it, but maybe you're following me there. But I don't really. I feel like, I feel like it's just, I don't know. It, it's a beer. They actually sell a lot of it. I, I mean, it's got a thing going on here. We're going to move on to the Modelo, though. Um, I've become a, i become kind of a fan. I like this beer. I have become a fan of the Modelo. I, I, I can, I could drink the Pachanga. I don't know if, you know how um, when you're when you're hanging out at the beach or you're on vacation or whatever, you feel like you could just crush Coronas. Um, for some reason, I, I don't think I could crush Pachanga. No, I'm not a big fan of it. Um, it, 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 it I'm it, not a big fan of. You're not a big fan of Mexican lagers, though. No, it, but I, if my my favorite one though is probably Modelo. Yeah, I think it's got the most flavor to it. It's different. Here comes Modelo. The Modelo. The Modelo Especial. Ooh, I almost, a good, it's a pretty good beer. It's almost, a pretty good beer. I almost needed to clear my palate a little bit there. Um, you know, I've got a good story about Modelo. So we, we, we adopted this software about six months ago at uh, J.C. Hart. And the uh, founder of this software company told us he named the, the, gave the name to his app um, after he had been ha- after he had had like like a dozen of these, he'd been coding like all night long, drinking Modelo Especial, and then came. That's how he had the, this epiphany of what he should call. So we should the drink name of, twelve Modelos to have an epiphany. To have an epiphany. Okay. So just we, we can just try get, that. I, I want to try that. It's a little sidebar story. I just I loved the way he told it to me. Like it doesn't mean anything to anybody who's listening to this, but I thought it was a cool sidebar. Point being is if if you are a nerd and you're coding software, drink Modelo and it might be your the Mexpic thing could happen. So, um, yeah, I'm a fan Thumbs of the Modelo. Up. Thumbs up. Um, it's got Pachanga. more. It's got Thumb more sideways. It's got more flavor than the Pachanga. Um, I think the Pachanga is basically. I think the Modelo is smoother. Uh, it's it. I it definitely a bigger fan. But you know. They've been perfecting this for how many years, right? What's it say? Brewed in Mexico. Imported to Chicago. I like the Modelo commercials. 1925, dude, is stamped on this can. I, I like the okay. Mo- I like the Modelo commercials too. Yeah. They're all like what? they got that like kind of like prestigious music. They'll have like they had like <laughs> what's the last one that had the three like 
kick-ass Mexican um, NFL football players. They're so, sitting around and just crushing some just Modelo. Just crushing Modelo. So, th- I mean, this is probably what all – anybody who drinks a Mexican lager or a Mexican beer, this is like – this is basically what you compare it to, which is the Corona Extra. Um, Corona's come out with the Crom- Corona Premier and Crom- uh, Corona Light within the last decade. Um it's not much lighter, but it to me it definitely has less flavor. And as John and I were saying, I used to like crush these like as if it was like the vacation premium beer. And I will drink Modelo over this all day. I think this might be worse. I think this might be worse than Pachanga. <laughs> I love it. I love this. Like, and and somebody could probably come in here. They can argue. see my face. Like, yeah, your face is awful this right beer now. Is fucking garbage. Um, the uh, what I think is really funny is that um, somebody could totally come in here, just like they would make an argument for Blue Moon if you throw an orange in it. Somebody might try to make an argument that if you throw a lime in a Corona, it makes it better. And at the end of the day, if you have to throw fruit into any beer, in my in my mind, they didn't make the beer right. So. This um, this beer, I, look, I, I know they sell a lot. It's not going to matter what I say. I just don't like it. I just don't really like it. it I'm not a fan. Uh, and one thing I could probably pull out of my fridge, but I don't. I don't. I'd, I'd have to like get up and do it. But uh, Dos Equis. So um, one, I do enjoy the Dos Equis Amber. Amber, I like the Dos Equis, which is the little darker. And whenever I can find that on draft at like a Mexican restaurant oh, or like something it. like that, I do throw a lime it's in that very bad boy. Drinkable. Very drinkable. Crushable. <laughs> I agree with that. I'd like to get that on tap. Oh, you know what? I may have to ask the... I wonder if the liquor store could get one of those like narrow kegs like we had, like the craft keg. Dude, if you had Dos Equis Amber and a ring of dingle... Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> Would we ever leave my basement? No. I'm pretty sure we'd never leave my basement if I had ring of dingle and Dos Equis and, Amber on draft. And, to go back to podcast number 18, I believe, we tried the Ring of Dingle against the Murphys and the Guinness. It smoked the Murphys. The Murphys was like... That's still in my fridge. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to drink it. It, it had too much coffee did we, did, did flavor you, did to you, it. What did you rate, the Ring of Dingle or the Guinness? About what? I, I think... I, can't I, I don't remember, but I, it, from what I recall, we, it, was, it was very close... Um, I think I love the ring. Of I I think the only reason I maybe gave Guinness the nod um, was because it uh, the way that it comes in that can with the uh, what, I, don't, I can't remember what they put in there to make it so it like foams or whatever um, that that to me gives it like a different kind of uh, that it's that nitro or whatever you know that pops when you open the can. I think that gives it just a little bit different consistency or flavor. Or ring and Dingle is just more of a beer. Oh yeah, it's more it, of a beer. It's not. It a, has it, the flavor. It's of it's, a, correct. It's it, not that it's stout not, yeah. as much. But I mean, it is, but it isn't. If they, shoot, if they put that nitro thing in their can, I, I had bet you it. Would, I went to their brewery and I had it. And nitro, I don't, but I don't think no. I don't. I don't think. Did they, they, they not any. have the nitro? I, in my opinion, the only beer that's perfected by nitro is Guinness because anytime I have nitro. If any other beer, I I don't it like does, it. It doesn't. That's a, that's a good point. That's a very good point. So I vote Modelo here for uh, Mexican beers and well, the the Corona's grown on me as I drink. I think Pachanga is second. 
I'm not going to hate on Corona as much now that I've kind of like drank a little bit. But the Modelo is definitely number one. I I might have to sample a little bit more. I like the, the yeah, and I'll take the Corona out of the can versus the bottle. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we did do three cans. I'll take a picture of this to share it on the gram. But uh, thanks, everybody. Uh, we appreciate it. I know I usually say my little saying at the end. I'd said it uh, uh, once um, already with the go out, hit more greens, you'll score better. But we really appreciate you listening. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon.